Happy birthday, Wukash Kautor. Little bit of purple gin to keep it in. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. Yeah, I know that. I know that a lot, a lot of kids were into wrestling. A lot of people, I mean, are still into wrestling to this day. It's uh, it's a very interesting uh, business and and. To, to follow, to be into just the backstories, kind of the drama behind the show that those uh, those men and women put on on a regular basis for their fans. It's uh, it's wild, but I, I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And my brother Cole Reshke, my brother from another, he will uh, he'll make fun of me to this day about my finishing moves and just all of that shit. But you know, even though all these kids were into it, I mean, it's a, a, a generational thing. You know, every kid of my generation—not every kid, but many of the kids of my generation—they were they were into the the Monday Night Wars, WCW versus. Uh, Versus NWO on one side and on the other side it was uh, the Attitude Era with the with the WWF and the WCW versus the the WWF was uh, was a thing that was going on. But I really took to all that, you know, and even from a, a younger age before all the those kind of the Monday Night Wars between those two organizations organizations kicked off. Like I was into and and following the wrestling from from the the late eighties as early as I can remember. Actually, just. And I wonder how much of that was the lack of a father in the home as I sit back and think about it. Because I'm into combat sports to this day. I do like watching, you know, two people just duke it out. Let's, let, let's fight. You know, I really, really enjoy watching that. So I don't know how much of it is just that's, that's part of who, I, who what I like to what I like to put my interest into, what I like to do, or if it's just... Uh, you know, has anything to do that stems back to not having a dad in the house and, and wanting to follow, you know, some type of male guidance and look look towards that. Like who who are the the powerful males who who have something to say? And it was, I mean, for me, I found my way to wrestling. Whatever whatever way the universe pulled that towards me. But I remember getting linked back up with my pop. He thought that was weird. Like I was almost fourteen and had still had like I was playing with dolls. And you know what? At thirty five. I still play with dolls. I got a doll collection. I'm, I'm looking at a bunch of them in the basement right now. I don't know. It's part of who I am. I like memorabilia. I like nostalgia. I like, you know, just really because, I mean, it helps me, you know, tap into where, where it came from because you, you have different incarnations, I think, of yourself as, as time goes on. Um, so, but, but also, when, uh, as, I, as I'm drinking some gin, I think about my dad. He, 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 likes, he likes to drink some Tanqueray. And when I first met him, I confirmed everything I heard in the rap songs, gin and juice, all that shit. Black men drink gin. So I went, I went on a gin kick for, for a little bit, too. Uh, but right now, I think this, I don't know the name of this gin I'm drinking. Uh, the Essential 1800, maybe? Uh, I don't know, but it's the purple gin. I was over at uh, Random Vet. Shout out to the co-host of the Granddad's Basement podcast, Master Sergeant Ian O'Hearn. Uh, I was over at his crib for a vet check a few months back, and Mrs. O'Hearn was drinking on, sipping on some uh, some purple gin, and tried it uh, with soda and a lime, and that's what your boy got uh, got in the cup right now. Delicious. I will also put a plug in if you ever stumble across or get the chance to see the blue bottle gin with the silver Q on it. Maybe they change their marketing. Maybe they don't exist, but quintessential gin. Ooh, that's some smooth stuff. That's some smooth stuff. I don't think uh, Tanqueray is, or excuse me, gin is really all that that phenomenal. Tanqueray, Sapphire, Bombay, that all tastes, I mean, extremely similar. I think Tang got a little bit of, a little bit of, it's it's a little better. It's a little different, but like Sapphire and Bombay to me are are beef eater. They're exactly the same. They're all the same. So. I don't know. My palate is not all of that refined, I guess, when it comes to the gins. But that quintessential and this uh, this purple stuff, oh wee. So, but yeah, that's what uh, 
I was just so I got in light of recent events with some a whole lot going on. I thought now was a a good time to uh, to drop a little bit more of the timeline as we think back of past episodes of the Granddad's Basement podcast. You know, I've mentioned stuff about my dad. We don't have a great relationship. I want to put it into kind of full context with this episode to help people uh, just kind of understand my perspective on life and and fatherhood and you know where I come from, ultimately, uh, from from my point of view. So I guess, you know, open to, to be questioned, open to be challenged, uh, awaiting to get some people into the basement to confirm some stories and and give me some some outside perspective as well. But we got people strewn about, and it's, it's difficult to get together sometimes. But I got a couple of my cousins going to be coming up into the basement. Uh, one's been on previously, um, phone call, but he's he's been through, hollering at some stuff when uh, when the George Floyd stuff was big in Minneapolis. But but nonetheless, we're going to get to a whole lot more. But I think it's good importance to since I laid down kind of what I went down, what went down between me and my ma, kind of. You know the early the early life there. Now I'm gonna kind of gonna lay down the the timeline of my dad, uh, but that runs into recent events, so it kind of kind of keeps going. So it's a good snapshot. You know I hope it's a little bit choppy. You know it took a, it's it's hard to find these words and put this uh, this timeline together sometimes. And we're talking about emotional emotional subjects, but also you know just trying to do my best to say what happened with no no you know bias any any which way I just just kind of the way my 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 thoughts on it what I can take away and uh it's just all, all part of me so I don't know sit back relax catch a contact sippy cognac uh, and here's a little something about a nigga like me <laughs> Since I was a youth, I smoked weed out. Now I'm that motherfucker y'all read about. Oh, Ice Cube. The Don. The Don Dada. That's what up, though. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Welcome to the basement. Oh, I'm trying to go off Facebook entirely. It's just really difficult to do uh for work so i'm gonna i'm gonna try to stay off of my personal social media and even though i'm relatively quiet on there excuse me not social media facebook even though i'm relatively quiet on there i still am checking in on things here and there and quite frankly it's it's nothing i need to be checking in on for for my day-to-day goings about i need to be looking into other things so I need to get off, uh, get off there, and then put like a, on my business page. Just kind of, hey, let everybody know, hey, um, just go to the Lopez Newton page. So I think that's what, that's what I'm gonna have go down to minimize the Facebook. And like I said, like I barely even comment on there, but I'm, but I'm in there just kind of seeing what what people are talking about. But I don't necessarily think that's the influence that I need or the 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 type of interactions that I'm gonna going to choose to be a part of. I think I'm going to take my my conversation and my focus and my visions elsewhere. And like Instagram, I'm I'm like barely on there and I I don't mess with Twitter none really at all. So, like I may, maybe some of that time will maybe get absorbed by Instagram, but I doubt it. I don't know. I got I'm thinking of, you know, just trying to to kind of reset uh as you know, it's been a weird year, you know, but just try to form new habits as well as things go about. And, and I'll, I've said it before and I've made attempts before, but focus a little bit more time on the written word, on the book, on the book that the man I write down. Yeah. So 
But but who knows? I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll fuck off and do more on Facebook. Who knows? It could be the exact opposite of anything I'm thinking. Who knows which way life is really gonna end up as we uh, as we keep going and and and, uh, and looking in tomorrow. But as I look to get off Facebook, Facebook done caused me some problems. But to put it in full context, I gotta tell I gotta tell the story the story of a young boy born some time ago, all right, and he grew up um, parents were parents were in high school when he was born, and from there you're you're automatically kind of dealing with with some grandparents as well, and it was his mom's grandparents who were the main the main caretakers, mom was finishing school, dad was 18, went to college in another state briefly, mom begins moving around with the boy, all right, so it's just, it's tough contact, you know, by the time, by the time the boy's two parents are completely split up, um, and it was like, it was like a bad a very, very bad ending, as bad as you could imagine it could be. And for that to be as teenagers, you know, 19, 20-year-olds, to go through such just traumatic events, and that's only starting from there. Like, there was hurt and deep-down psychological trauma handed to both mom and dad, you know, as they were children, things that, you know, are are real difficult to resolve and in some sense haven't been resolved in every case. So it's already in a in a fucked up situation. All right. But time goes on and, you know, the boy basically no dad in the home. Stepdad one comes in. Shit's weird. Stepdad two comes in real quick. Shit's even more weird. I guess circle back to episode 45 to connect the dots. That's, it's, it's the same timeline. It's just the, the flip side of the coin on the same timeline. All right, so by the time the child is six, seven years old, there's the infamous moment where the, the infamous, you know, leave your kid on the front stoop incident in which the boy was on the phone with his dad, said, Daddy, come pick me up, and he sat on the front stoop, waited for him, and Daddy never came and picked him up after he told him on the phone he was going to go pick him up. So that just set off just, you know, just no more communication. Like, fuck all that. What's going on? The child's hurt. Shit's all weird on the mom's side. Dad don't want to talk to him. Dad's going to leave him hanging. All right, well, it's not starting off great. It's not looking good. For the, for the child. So by the time the kid's seven, six, seven years old, no contact with the father till he's almost 14. All right. So pretty much seven years. Let's just go seven years where his grandmother, the boy's grandmother, his dad's mom, reached out back to Ma. All right. Said, Oh, he misses his son. He wants to be back in contact with him. Here's his number. He he wants you to call him. And it was then up to mom and, and the boy to see if they wanted to call him back. And they did. And they asked, do you want to spend Christmas? He said, no, but I'll meet you on the 26th of December to 1998. All right, so it's been some time. It's been some years. The boy's almost 14. All right, nuts done dropped a little bit. Shoulders done broadened. You know, hair's popping up. It's been shaving. Shaving for at least a year. All right, done felt on some titties. Smoked a little weed. Had a beer. You know, was coming into was coming into manhood in small town in the Midwest. 
All right. So this begins a relationship and everything was cool. All right. Every major holiday, a lot of weekends, every other weekend, at least at least once a month, plus every holiday going over there and just kicking it with family at get togethers, barbecues, you know, just back in the swing of things. Not a lot of conversations had just back in the swing of things. All right, cool. Daniel back around. So, time goes on. Coming up a few years later. Boy says to dad, hey, you know, this is, you know, I like it over here better than I like it over there. You know, I am just keep running into problems over at my mom's house. You know, can I come live with you? Dad says, yeah. I say, can I change my name? Broke his mother's heart. Moves out. Small town to the big city. Pause. So up to this point, uh, maybe you figured out this is the story of the life of Daniel. All right, the boy in that story is me. And it's kind of, if you go back to episode 45, it's just the, it's the flip, the flip side of that, uh, of that coin, my parental coin, on the same timeline uh, of my life from my perspective. So let's go back to the basement. But I'm going to just pick it up kind of right here anyways. So I moved in, moved in with my dad. So I was born Daniel Rain. Talked about this before. I moved in with my pop, changed my last name to Daniel Odin. All right. So I'm living, living at my pop's house for about a year and a half of high school. All right. Move in. It's, it's my dad, my ma, my, my stepma, my two sisters, and my first cousin, Ira. Who First cousin, Ira, is a very important figure in the story of the life of Daniel. And he's, he's going to come back around. It's, uh, it's been mostly peaceful, but it ain't always been peaceful. Um, but we're going to get into to side stories with, with first cousin, Ira, real soon. So I go to a year and a half of high school, graduate, join the Air Force. Okay, so let's, let's, let's recap on the timeline. So grow up, kind of, parents separate at two years old. Okay, we're there, then it becomes a strained relationship, hard, you know, just begins a bunch of things of not having a father in the home and distance and traveling and all kinds of things going on around the Minneapolis metro area. So uh, eventually get, uh, you know, lose contact with Pop for, you know, maybe seven years, six, seven years, at least six, close to seven maybe, and comes back around after three years of rekindling the relationship, all right? And mind you, no, not a lot of explanation, not a lot of conversations had, just kind of went with whatever was going on and neglected anything that happened before. And that's not a great way to move forward in a relationship that you're trying to mend at any age. Somebody has to take lead on that. I recommend it be the adult to take lead on that and really completely give perspective and outlook on what, what happened and what we can do going forward to make sure either it doesn't happen again or, you know, that things are better this time around, whatever. Those conversations were never, were never had. All right. And that's real, you know, important as we set up to, because I mean, things build and build under the surface with spite and tension as time goes on, you know, but as we think about the time spent from, you know, rekindling the relationship, going through all the good times, all the fun times, all the, all the family cookouts, the Christmas, Thanksgiving, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day, it just everything, birthdays, just everything was a great time. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to go live, I'm going to go live with dad uh, for a year and a half. So three years of a, of a part-time relationship, shared custody type deal, when I'm already, already a teenager, already done and beginning to become a man. All right, things aren't going very well. Need a, need a fatherly influence. So who better than a father? So move in with Pop, you know, as I approach 18 and graduate in high school. So I'm there for a year and a half, going to the Air Force right after that. All right, so there was less time with my dad in my life as, you know, my father than there was when he was out of my life before I, you know, Flew the coop, left the nest. All right, went off to do my thing in the Air Force. All right, so 
okay, now we're apart again, and I'm beginning this this next chapter in my life. Just a man, you know, there's there's a whole lot to goes to when I joined the Air Force and the things that happened in that time, but I just want to stick to the timeline in my relationship with my pop, really. It's kind of what I'm trying to uh, stay on here. So I go to Grand Forks Air Force Base, North Dakota, from Minnesota. And my parents moved from Minnesota to... Uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And then my mom is out in bumfuck, Wisconsin. All right. So <laughs> I would go back to Minneapolis every now and then kick it with people. It was a five, six hour drive. So um, not too often, but there was a little stretch of time I was going down there here and there. And then once a year, go down to my dad's house, say what's up for, it's usually Thanksgiving, you know, I like to go down and eat good. You know what I'm saying? So I'd fly down, come back, and I was stationed in North Dakota for like four, four and a half years, and then end up in Tucson, Arizona. Okay, so when I get to Tucson, it's like two hours from Phoenix. So I'm, you know, driving up to dad's house, you know, one to four weekends a month, you know, plus all other events, random, you know, New Year's parties, you know, all the same, all the same holidays, anything that made sense, long weekends, definitely going up to, to kick it with my sisters, hang out with Pop and my stepmom. And, and ultimately, uh, me and my dad, we, we go golfing a lot of the time. He's one of the wor worst golfers you could ever imagine. Just start, you know, when he stopped playing, he was as bad as when he started. You know, he golfed for a couple of years. And I got to a point, I was, I got to shooting in the, the high 80s. I shot an 82 one day. That's my all-time best. Of course, wasn't, wasn't uh, too difficult. Uh, then I shot like a 92 and an 89 uh, then the next two rounds, and I don't think I've golfed since. I'm pretty sure I haven't golfed since. So right when I started to get kind of respectable out there on the links, you know, back just just started saying, "Hey, man, that twisting shit. You should probably you should probably cool out on that." So I haven't golfed in in years. I sold my clubs five, four or five years ago at this point. Uh, just, just take the money and run. Get these clubs out of here. I don't want to be tempted. Now I got I got granddad's clubs now, though. I got some I got some Oski Woski uh, McGregor's, probably from the boy. They're probably from the fifties. Just some just some old old cheapies. Yeah, probably. But yeah, if I ever get the urge to get out there again, I will uh, definitely gonna be using granddad's clubs. But my dad, yeah, wor worst golfer you ever done heard of. So we were kicking it, you know, building a relationship, um, you know, sharing stuff just about what we had going on in lives is him and you know his 40s and 50s and, and you know well throughout his 40s my parents ain't that much older than me me throughout my 20s and my parents throughout their 40s and just kind of you know it was cool but at the same time there was a lot of issues from the past that you know were never resolved even though things seemed well that initial root cause uh was never addressed so it just something was building there and I don't exactly know what it was. Come to find out, it's that I'm leaving the active duty military, which I don't know what that has to do with anybody but myself. But I remember the conversation. I go to my dad, hey, I'm getting off active duty. And that's where he shut off. All, all my military time transfers, I got a, a job lined up and there's opportunity for, for more advancement promotions and full-time military positions, so nothing's really wasted in that sense. So, but he turned off at leaving the military, didn't take anything else into consideration, and that kicked off in his head just, I guess I, guess I don't know, that's where, that's what's so confusing, like it, it, that, of the whole situation. So... That got him to, and I find this out months later, but that got my dad to call my mom and try to get her to lie to me on some bullshit about my inheritance. So rewind to when I'm a teenager, like I, I know kind of what's what with my grandparents' estate after they both pass, all right? And I, you know, my grandmother passed. Things happened military where I was like, it's going to be better for me to transition off active duty instead of keep kind of doing what th this rigmarole and the... Uh, these active duty hoops type stuff. So I just felt I'd be in a better, a better personal situation, taking more different, different, uh, taking control and going on a different path in my career in the Minnesota National Guard. So I, and I was able to do that and do it well and successfully. But my dad calls, he calls my mom and tries to get her to lie to me over 
like my inheritance and what's going on with my grandparents' house. And she's just more or less like, what the fuck are you talking about? So she tells me that months later. But I, I'm, I go on still talking to my dad, uh, you know, just checking in, seeing what's good, what's what. And then I go to Mississippi in 2014. So I got off active duty halfway through 2013, go in the National Guard. I'm activated by 2014, so just a few months later. And I go down to Mississippi. Uh, that's where I met Cody Rodriguez, random vet shout out. And I'm fucking off on Facebook. Okay? And at this point, you know, the way I, you know, I'm, I'm j- my brain just fully formed. I'm like 28 at the time, all but almost 29. My brain just formed. I'm just getting a, a grasp on how to communicate with people, let alone how to communicate with people via social media, which I still don't have a grasp on, which is that's why I ain't fucking with that shit anymore. Because it ain't nothing but trouble. So I put a meme up. It's a Louis C.K. joke that something to the effect of if, if the reason you're anti-gay marriage is because you're too stupid to explain it to, to uh, your children, that's not, that's not anyone else's fault or problem but yours. That's kind of, that's the gist of the joke. I don't mean to butcher the man's material. But my dad replies to this, I think my son is sick. And that's so, like, preposterous. I'm like, all right, cool, we talking shit. So I went in, you know, pop hit me with a little jab. Let me let me let me hit him with a combo, and I, and I typed. I went I went hard. Let's just let's just leave it at that. I won't get into too many details. You know, I threw in some. My dad's super Christian, so I threw in some some Bible you know mentions of you know, hey, just let people do what they want to be to their own self. Be true if they want to be gay, let them be gay, and I got nothing to do with you. And then I hit him with a Joe Rogan joke, famous comedian. Maybe you've heard of him. It's something to the effect of unless you uh, you if you're the only reason to be anti-gay marriage is that you're stupid or you secretly think dicks taste delicious. Okay, so that, that set off a comment in return uh, from my dad to me that said, you know, I'm, I'm deleting you from Facebook and my life at this point. I no longer have a son. You're a piss poor excuse for a son. Uh, dot, 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 go be with your fags. And I'm like, damn, did I just have a stroke? What is cracking here? So that then we didn't talk. This was the beginning of 2014, right before right before my birthday. So the beginning of 2014, and we didn't talk until my wedding. So another, it was like two and a half years after that before we talked again. It was the week of my wedding. I called my dad. Yo, the invite was addressed to to my stepmom. So I called. I was like, Yo, if you want to come, you know, you're you're invited. He's like, All right. I said, All right. That's all I got. Hang up. So he shows up to the wedding. What an emotional day out in a cornfield in Downing, Wisconsin, population 265. We had that motherfucker over 300 that night. Uh, beautiful day. And, you know, my dad and my stepmom and my sisters were coming regardless with, with their crew, their kids, baby daddies. Uh, when the Odins rolled, the Odins rolled deep. But my dad and my stepmom show up, and they're, they're getting ready to leave. So I walk up to my dad, put my hand out, and says... You know, we'll talk soon. And he shakes my hand. He's like, you got my number. And I kind of started to step away and then stepped right back up into his face and was like, nah, man. Because it took me back to, you know, when he wanted to get back in contact with my life in Christmas of 98. And I, I had to be the one to reach out. Like, I got the number, you know, had to call or my mom had to call, see what the deal was. And it was put on me, and 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 it and it like it it was it wasn't it, I'll, I'll get to that in, in a minute. But it reminded me of that. I'm like, nah, fuck all that, man. Like, I didn't snap off on you. Yeah, we were talking some shit. I said he and he, he we get to talking. It was just at the very opening sentence or two. You called me a faggot, man. I'm like, what the? It took me so aback. Like, what are you talking about? Nobody call you a faggot, man. Like, what? What do you have? Are you talking about this? The Joe Rogan joke? That he, you know, he's a comedian. That's just that's a joke. Like you, like you said, you thought I was sick. We're talking shit. I was talking shit. You taught me how to talk shit. I don't know what, what this. This is what this is about. This is preposterous. And uh, kind of we broke down a few more things. And uh, you know, wedding wraps up. He goes his way, I go mine. Conversation was not great. Ultimately, I was like, you know what? We're done talking. Like that. That's it. This is the absolute best day of my life, no doubt about it. I'm, I'm, I'm living through it. And you're not gonna. We're not gonna do this right now. Kissed him on the forehead, 
and and bam, that that was it. Go on my honeymoon, come back from the honeymoon, get a letter in the mail, ten page letter, real hard to read, not emotionally. It's just spacing's messed up. Grammatically, it's it's odd. I'm gonna do a follow up, like a point two to this one, where I read this letter, so y'all can really get to know the real. And basically, all, like what it says is, it's your grandparents' fault. It's your parents' fault. Uh, I'm an angel. Nothing's ever been my fault. And oh, it's also your fault. And you're a piece of shit. That's the letter my dad wrote to me. What it says. All right. So I, I take the high road. I write him a nice letter back. A nice one, four or five pages, whatever it is. I'll put that on the the point two episode as well. So, and and that's that. And we don't talk again. All right. Another year goes by. My son is born, my first son. And this whole time, this whole time from when this started, like us not talking 2014, I'm talking to my sisters, I'm talking to my stepmom, like, so I, just to make sure my dad's getting, getting info. You know, he's keep some type of up to date, you know, a one back to back sergeants of the year, you know, you know, it'd be cool if dad knew that. So make sure I tell my stepmom all that shit. So I call my stepmom when my son is born. Yo, we're at the hospital, whoop-de-whoop, this is the deal. Get home from the hospital, kicking it, get a package in the mail one day from my dad. And Megan's like, what's that? What do you think's in there? Or, or no, nah. I was like, I know what's in there. I, it's fucked up. So the only thing I can think, this is the only thing I'm, I, I ever speculate in this whole, on the whole, just my whole life and my relationship with my dad is that he must have made him feel some type of way that I didn't call him directly when my son was born. But I, I don't know. We, like, we weren't talking. So I don't, I, I don't know. I, I made sure you knew. Or it was just that, that time. But I knew what it was. All right. Fast forward maybe a, a couple of months. It's a couple of months. My mom goes, she was over at my house hanging out with her grandbaby. And uh, and says, what was in that box your dad sent? I'm like, I don't know, let's open it. So I open it, and it's pictures off the wall, my certificate of enlistment, uh, and a nasty-ass letter. In fact, I'm looking at the box right now. A nasty-ass letter. We'll put that, we'll put that in, in the next episode as well, which I didn't read. I didn't actually read that until a couple, a couple months after that. I read the first sentence. I was like, I ain't trying to read this shit right now. Like, it's, it'll just bring me down. In fact, I didn't read it till. Until I was live on the Granddad's Basement podcast, episode like negative three, with Ian O'Hearn as we were kind of swapping these stories back and forth before the podcast kind of took a turn before we jumped off. So I'm like, all right, whatever, dude. Like, I really, really do appreciate actually that you didn't, you know, shred my certificate of enlistment. That's one of one. There's no getting another one of that. And you know, I, I'm really, I'm actually really, really grateful that that wasn't, uh, wasn't destroyed and had a few other things and there's pictures off the wall and, and some random military memorabilia. But, you know, just real petty, just real petty, sends me this package and then I go to, uh, so this is all, my son was born in 2017, 2018, my wife and I, we dipped from Minnesota, moved back to Arizona and 2019, all right, October, all right, my stepmom's mom dies, so my grandma dies. So then I go, I go, I go there that day, right up to Phoenix. You know, I'm back to Tucson at this point, so I'm real close. We had a few events. He didn't come. That he's always been invited. All the, every invite that goes out from this house, it says to the Odins. You know, the wedding, the wedding invite said to my stepmom, first name, last name. All right, and then ever since then. Like it's been open, the Odins, y'all. You you can come, man. You're you're welcome. So it doesn't come to birthdays. Rumor has it I showed up at my niece's birthday in Phoenix, and he dipped out when I got there. I don't know if that's true or not. I just don't know. So, but when my grandma died, my stepmom's mom died. Walk up to him, shake his hand, and just go go kick it for the day. All right, and we seen each other again at the funeral. Shook each other's hands. It's cordial. All right. So, but. I mean, we can be in each other's presence. Like, nigga, you know who I am. Like, I don't know why. Like, you can't actually banish somebody from a family. Like, 
it, it don't work like that. Like, I don't know how it used to work back in the day when, when you were meant to be king. But these days, things go a little different. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to go where I want to go. I don't avoid the rest of my family. Like, I, I mean, I'll stay. We can, we can, you know, stay at arm's length, I guess. I guess that's what it is. So fast forward again. All right, let me do, let me do a quick recap. So <laughs> I get off active duty. Uh, dad tries to get mom to roll on me in that to keep me on active duty because he, he's upset. All right, that don't work out. Get off active duty. Uh, go in the Minnesota National Guard a couple years later, uh, activated to go to Mississippi. So I get off, so this is, I get off active duty in 2013. 2014, I go to Mississippi. 2014, the Facebook incident happens. All right, I get married, and two and a half years later, 2016, pop comes to that, it goes poorly. All right, 2017, my son is born in the summertime, get mailed a package um, on some, just some petty bullshit, all, all my things off the wall, like no memory of me whatsoever, except the big family picture, I guess, that's hanging, unless that got taken down too, who knows. All right, and then 2018, uh, moved from Minnesota to Tucson, so I get to spend some more time with my my sisters and their and their kids. They're in Phoenix, so just a couple hours away. But I don't see my dad until 2019, uh, the fall when my grandma passes away. So I see him twice in a matter of a couple of weeks. Then, and then a year after that. So now we're up to like the past few weeks. All right. So this is where shit gets. It, it's stressful. It's e- emotional. It's tough to to get these words out and and try to lay this podcast down eloquently uh, because there's tensions that are flaring and deep-rooted emotional, psychological things that go back to to the 80s, all right? So I'm a 35-year-old man-child because I got just issues that are difficult to deal with and that I just started dealing with within the last couple of years, but it's all tied into just this current bullshit relationship that, that I have with my pop who's chosen to walk out on me twice in my life is the way I feel about it anyways once as a child and once over some bullshit on Facebook because there was a misinterpretation of communication probably on both parties nonetheless my grandmother just passed away all right this is a week after my first cousin Andrew passes away all right so the family's going through some stuff and that's the week a couple of days after my wife's granny passes away so my wife's dealing with the death boom my first cousin dies a couple days later that relationship wasn't great uh i'm not gonna front like it was but i mean he is a 30 32 year old man who enjoyed living and enjoyed life um all other details aside all right boom week after that my grandmother passes away all right rewind a day rewind a day sunday my grandma's on her deathbed I go in there. That's what I talked about on the last podcast. All right. After that, I leave and go to my, my grandma's house. My cousin was living there. My cousin wasn't doing great. First cousin, Ira, not doing great. All right. Go check on him. Make him say out loud he's not going to put an extra hole in himself. All right. Because another veteran suicide is what we do not need. He's a PTSD Marine Corps veteran. Fought in Iraq in 2004. All right. The boy done seen some stuff and wasn't handed the, the, the greatest hand in life to begin with. But I go to make sure that he's doing all right. Whilst there, ain't, ain't nothing that's a, you know, dirty trailer, needs some work. You know, the, there's no money in, in the family, in the estate. So, all right, well, I'm going to snag a couple of these pictures. Um, this one I'm going to get. It's a hand, a pencil hand drawing of my great-grandmother. Uh, from her son who's in prison. Now, here, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me pause and kind of introduce a couple of key players. We got my great-grandmother and my great-grandfather, Alsup Edwards and Miss Anna Louise Edwards. Miss Louise, all right, they had six kids. Two of those kids are still alive up to this point of the story. My grandmother and one of her brothers, okay? That brother's in prison. That's Big Ricky. He's in prison. He hand drew this picture of his mother, my great-grandmother. All right? And then there's a picture of my great-grandfather as like a young man. The picture must be from the, the 40s, the 1940s. 
All right, so I'm like, cool, I'm going to snag this for granddad's basement. That turned into just the biggest fire anyone could imagine. Like, my dad called the cops on me, said I broke in, filed a false police report saying I broke into my grandma's house, stole some shit. Ain't shit there to steal, all right? When my great-grandfather passed away, I wasn't part of the family. I wasn't involved. I didn't get one of his pipes. I didn't get one of his hats, all right? I didn't get any little things laying around. Years, years later, I saw a couple money clips when we were cleaning out the house that they lived in when we sold that. Gave that to two, two of his grandsons, uh, my godfather and another one of uh, my dad's cousins. All the cousins that I'm about to talk about are, are my first cousins or my dad's first cousins. So my first cousins once removed, but cousins nonetheless. And we all know each other. It's, a, it's an interesting dynamic we have in the family that we're going to have to break down a little, uh, a little more intricately when there's some more people involved who can help me, help me lay out the stories in the timeline. All right, but I got these two pictures. Go back, get a nasty-ass text message. Nasty, nasty text message. Uh, I don't know who the fuck you think you are. Keep your greasy hands off my mom's shit. Like, I'm calling the cops. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You have no idea. You can't even ask somebody a, a question. And I don't have, ultimately, could have asked. Me. Could have, should have asked and expressed what my intentions were. All right? Not a great excuse, but didn't have, like, my dad's number. He get, got his phone shut off and maybe his two or three phones past that. So he gets my number. Not too difficult to get. So he, he shoots me this nasty-ass text message. I just ignore it. Yeah, all right, nigga, call the cops. Like, you have no idea what I'm going to go do with this. So cops call me. A couple days later, have an have a interesting conversation. He's like, can you just make some copies? My like, Officer Dirk, and I had him laughing like before this. Officer Dirk makes a police department. I, that, that's my intent the whole time. Like, nobody wanted to ask anything. So it was just been a bunch of bullshit. I mean, ultimately, I mean, <laughs> my dad called the cops on me for breaking into my grandmother's house and stealing photographs. Like, it was unreal. The cop got it. He was cool. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just so much bullshit. My dad then goes to Minnesota for my cousin's funeral, my grandma's funeral, and... You know, I heard a little bit of some things that went down there, but ultimately he's given some weird version of the story. You know, making things up, leaving parts out. Didn't tell nobody he called the cops on me. I'm sure he's never told anybody he called my mom a few years back to flip on me, which didn't happen. So it's just, it's just foolishness. So just now, just now as a father with, with two sons to be able to do, to correct the universe being out of balance uh, within a family with one with a father who has never really been there for his child, for his son, and showed him the proper way to execute himself as a man throughout life, things you're going to deal with, you know, missed a whole lot of things. And I was given two sons to, to kind of have a chance to do it right and do it right twice. And that's, I mean, that's more or less, my, I feel, my, my purpose and, and current mission in, in this lifetime is for, for my legacy to, to be within my sons and to better prepare them to deal with life and the situations that life is going to throw at them and work through it one by one, live and direct, face to face. And if anything, you know, ever happens between Mrs. Rain and I, you know, she knows I'm buying the house next door. In fact, we talked about it. She goes, if, if we're ever not together, like, we're going to live close. And I don't remember what sparked that conversation. That didn't have anything to do with, with anything I had going on. But, yeah, that's where we're at to date. You know, so a couple episodes ago, episode 45, kind of talked about what went on growing up with my ma. And that's pretty much what it's been like growing up with my dad and ultimately where we're at, where that relationship is at today. So when we did have a relationship from, let's just say right before I turned 14, so 14 to right before, right, right before I turned 29. So that's 14, 15 years or so of, uh, I, I guess it, one could call it a superficial type relationship. I mean, there were lessons there. My dad, I, you know, 
taught me how to change oil in a car, you know, taught me to be a little more financially responsible, have a job, you know, uh, discussions that are, are held within a home, stay within a home. I mean, there were, there were lessons there. There's also a lot of just kind of superficialness, a lot of sports talk, basketball, football, a lot of other other things that, that I'm not going to get into, but that were not relevant to being a, a, a parent, parenting an adolescent male. So it, things just, they've never been great. And for one side to take things to an extreme over a likely miscommunication, as well as, you know, some deep-rooted psychological issues... It's, I mean, it's difficult to deal with on a, on a day-to-day basis. It's in the forefront of my mind. I mean, ultimately, you know, that's my, my dad. And that's one of those relationships that just is. So there's no banishment. There's no denying people their, their membership within a family. So things are just, they're weird. And to have that, you know, part of my direct lineage not be solidified just you know makes me want to try harder on the flip side because I don't know that story it's yet to be told you know or is being told I guess it's that we're still in amidst it you know that that chapter has not been uh had a period put on the end of the middle of a page to say that's wrapped up so that's being it's just being told it's all playing out right now live and direct and it, it it's frustrating it's 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 heartbreaking um but it's also motivating to me. The inspiration derived from that to want to be a good father is it, it's undeniable. That's what, that's what drives me to to anytime I'm feeling a certain way towards my kids to to check it and make sure that's the proper way to positively uh, treat them or respond to them. I got. Two low, very low moments as a parent. They happened back to back. My son, the older one, he was just, he was just playing. I don't know, every now and then he, he hits. And it was a problem, and then it wasn't a problem, and then it kind of was a problem. So I don't know if there's something going on at daycare. But, you know, I think initially we were watching a lot of UFC when he was like one. So when he was like 15 months or so, we weren't watching any more UFC, but he was hitting. Um, so I think that potentially could have stemmed from there. That got under control, and then he started hitting again randomly after that. So I don't know if something was happening at daycare. But it's been, it's been at a low for maybe two or three months uh, at this point. No, no hitting going on with the older boy. Uh, but he swung one time and just clocked me right in the right nut. Just, oh, the right nut. Just, it was, he dropped me. It was some of the most excruciating pain I've been in. Today, that's one of those that just that registers high and it's memorable. First time my son really hurt me, um, but after that, like I still had to be like a dad in the household. After I could, you know, kind of get my breath back, got feeling back in in my legs, and and the pain subsided a little bit, and, and where it's just a grimace upon my face. Uh, we were, I was, I was washing my hands or something. I was in the bathroom. He walked in and said something, or you know what? I might have been like washing his hands. Something like that. I don't remember, but he, he said he said I said to him something to the effect of if you ever hit me like that again, I'm gonna beat your fucking ass. So that was a low. And then a few minutes we must have been washing his hands and did lunch, and then I was just I kept getting more and more angry. So I remember doing the dishes and I heard him talking to his mom, my wife in the in the other room. And something, go ask daddy. And he came in and, and he asked me something. You know, hey, hey, daddy, can you come and do whatever? Play, play blocks, let's say he said that. And I just, I just kind of gave it a second. And I looked at him. I said, you need to get away from me right now. And he went back. And this is, and that's bad in itself. But in the moment, like I knew that wasn't the right thing to say. But I didn't know what else to say. And I heard him say from the other room, Daddy told me to, to, to go back in here or get away from him. Whatever I said, I don't remember, but it was real, real dark. And then that kind of broke my heart that I reacted that way. But as I was doing it, I knew I wasn't going to have a positive reaction. And that kicked in me to, to leave the house. Just, I, I just, hey, I got to go for a walk. I'm, I'm so upset right now. I can't do anything but 
like be angry and breathe and and get over this. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a little walk, and did that. Uh, came back and you know iced my nutsack for about four days and things. We've been cool. We've been cool ever since. Uh, but that was definitely one of my parenting lows. But it was you know I'm. You know, I, I, again, I don't have my crystal ball. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what the future holds in the context of the story of me and my pop. And I don't know what the future holds, you know, if how much of that's in me, you know, but hopefully it's something I can, can fight off and always continue to be there for my family so this story isn't told again to another generation, all right? I want to flip the trajectory of this family. And by having two strong parents within the household who are able to uplift and acknowledge their children in a positive way and emotionally prepare them to deal with the world as we know it and as it changes and keep them updated to the way things change as they grow. Because if anything else, we're in a, a, a weird spot in society and things are, things are changing rapidly and we really don't know where we're going to end up uh, from day to day right now in 2020. So, but that, that's it. Um, I wanted to just kind of give the flip side of episode 45 and catch up like the the last episode talking about how great that time spent with my grandma, but that it did kick off a, a series of, of other events in which a father called the cops on his son for breaking and entering theft when it turns out he was just trying to make some prints of some photos. Uh, well, let's end on a higher note than that. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, <clears throat> the rest of the weekend and mad shout out another vet shout out Wukash Keltur happy birthday homeboy I love you playboy I'm gonna get up out of here everybody be cool check on a vet and hug your loved ones. Cheer!